welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Hello, how are you today? I am very good. Thank you so much for the invitation. How are you? Excellent. I'm I'm well. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, where, if it's a, if you're okay with that, where are you calling in from today? I am going through the lockdown, uh, being in stuck in Barcelona in Spain. Okay, that's and where how's... my girlfriend lives. Okay. Uh, and just before the lockdown happened, I was in Cape Town because that's where I spent most of my time. I was like, I think I want to go through this lockdown thing in Spain, then South Africa. <laughs> so I quickly came back and with my girlfriend in the house. <laughs> yeah. 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 How is, so how long have you been locked down so far? I think, man, I lost count, but it's been like 50 days or something like that. Okay. And uh, it's crazy. Uh, I got to say it's crazy because Spain is now the worst case in, in, in Europe. Oh, okay. So for like four weeks, we we only could go outside to the supermarket. And, mm-hmm. you know, the police would even stop you to show them the receipt of the stuff you have just bought. And if it's been like a supermarket, which is too far from where you live in, yeah. or it's a receipt from two hours ago, then you would get a fine. So it was pretty, pretty tough now. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I bet. Um, okay. So is there any, I mean, have you heard any news about potentially when things will be lifted or relaxed a bit or is it still pretty tight it's slowly getting back to normal uh you know europe is so many countries they all have their own kind of uh it's like states in the us mm-hmm. uh some of the countries you know really re- make the ease of the lockdown faster some some uh slower yeah. but in general in most of europe you know some restaurants are already open people can travel within the country so the life slowly goes back to normal the borders are closed, which is, I think it's a big problem because Europe is so interconnected. Mm-hmm. And also no one really knows what the new normal is going to be. Like how much more complicated will they make our air, airport journey? Because <laughs> after 9-11, it's become a nightmare and now it's going yeah. to be I think, even worse. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine that right now. And then also like just, you know, the idea of being on a plane, like how do you, you know, isolate yourself or separate yourself from, from people on a plane when you're in a literal metal tube? traveling that way i think the answer is you don't um, <laughs> even if you're gonna sit two seats from someone two hours in the plane considering how the ac works in a plane right you're gonna get it at some point you're either unhealthy and you're gonna get it at some point and hopefully you will get a good hospital t- care mm-hmm. or you're one of those lucky guys who just have a good immune system and you're gonna get through it or you're gonna wait for the uh, vaccine i mean there's no other way around it like we can't build our world now around trying not to get it because this type of disease is just a matter of time yeah yeah exactly okay well so okay so changing subjects then <laughs> yes something nicer something nicer nicer so let's talk about about you um so how do you describe yourself and what you do oh yeah that's a big problem for me because the times we live in now and i think a lot of audience will relate to me you can't just use the classic definition to say what you're saying because they just are so not up to date 
Yeah. But when you're trying to explain what you're doing to your mother or your grand grandparent, they're gonna be like, "Can you please just stop joking and tell me what you really do?" Yeah. Um, I think that the, the the mutual thing in everything that I'm doing is that I've always been building companies in the internet. So okay. there's some important part of this business being run, uh, providing the service over the internet and acquiring clients also over the internet. <laughs> so with the use of technology, because. I always thought that's gonna give me freedom, which turned out to be one of the biggest lies <laughs> because <laughs> you may run a website, you're still tied to people and to certain locations, but um, that's what I always wanted to do. I also do a lot of stuff which is related to personal branding. I, of course, I, I wrote everything in a book, I do a lot of public speaking and so on. But this, is, this was never a goal itself. It was always like a part of building the marketing for the company I'm currently running. So in a way, I guess you can call me an entrepreneur, but I have a very, very strong focus on one, online businesses and two, uh, frontier markets. I've, okay. I've done, I've built those businesses in the early 2000 in Poland, which was then frontier market in terms of internet. And the last couple of years, last eight years, all of my attention was in Nigeria, in Kenya, in South Africa. So another frontier markets. I kind of like the chaos. I thrive on it. I'm a slightly allergic to Excel. So I like those type of markets to, to build business in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, uh, so I know that's, and that's also that's what your book is about too, but so let's dig in a little bit about the businesses you've helped work on so yeah. far. So let's start with the ones in Poland. So what was it like going from what you studied in undergrad and then starting to work yeah. in, in, in Poland? What was that early days like? Yeah. So you can really d d divide my life into three stages. Okay. First was this, uh, like just, you know, bullied guy in high school, didn't know what he wants to do, wanted to run away from the house to be, be free. I was good at math. So obviously I went to a technical university and then I quickly needed to make some money because my parents told me if I don't do what they want to do, I will not get paid by them. So I quickly got myself into financial sector. That was the early 2000 financial boom in Poland, whatever you would touch in financial sector, you would make big money. Okay. That's how I made my big, big money. I joined a company as employee number five. We're selling insurance, financial products, investment products. And in three years, there was like 5,000 of us. It was almost like a Wolf of Wall Street story, you know, just without the, <laughs> without the sex on the plane. And, and, the, um, <laughs> and, and then 2008 came and, uh, and obviously we lost all the money totally. I went bankrupt. Uh, and then I still really started figuring out what I want to do next. I became a bartender just to pay my debts. Mm -hmm. And that's how I fell in love with, in, in those so-called startups because I would watch CNN and seeing all those guys from Silicon Valley sitting in Starbucks, drinking soya latte, writing on their fancy MacBooks and getting some millions. And I was like, if those dudes can do this, I was like them in the high school. I, I can do it as well. And that's really by accident how I got myself into so-called startup world. And okay. at that time, I didn't even know what this means. And that's where it was like five years of my adventure with different marketplace businesses uh, in Poland, including funeral services business and uh, an automotive classifieds website. Uh, first failures, first exits, I made a little bit of money. And then I met those cool guys, which run now one of the biggest e-commerce companies in the world after Amazon and Alibaba, they called Rocket Internet. And that's probably not so known in the US. Uh, and at that time, they were preparing to conquer, from the business perspective, the, the African continent. Because a couple of years ago, you would assume a capitalism will win, democracy will win. But then it was way more obvious than now. <laughs> and, uh, and so if, if, if capitalism and democracy wins, also client behaviors got unique. So 
Africa will need its own Amazon, will need its own Uber, build it before those big guys really go there. So we've raised some crazy amounts of money. I'm talking about hundreds of millions of dollars from different investors. And we, we went to Nigeria first, then to Kenya, South Africa, and started building all those verticals, uh, assuming that the market will be bigger, very, big, very fast. And I was responsible for online travel, um, which is, a, of course, it's a long story. But for me, first, I wanted to go to finance just to make money. Then I went to startups just because I thought those guys from Silicon Valley are geeks and they're making way too much money and I can do it because I'm better. And then the Africa kind of came because those big guys, I wanted to work with them, doesn't matter where, I told them just hire me because I want to work with you because you guys are so amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at some point, everyone wants to work with Jeff Bezos probably for a year. So those guys for me were like Jeff Bezos of Europe and they said, Nigeria, okay, whatever. So there's no strategy from hindsight everything kind of starts making sense. But when you were making all those decisions, I was so stupid and I was like lucky that, you know, it turned out the way it turned out because, you know, one of the companies that ended up at the New York Stock Exchange and, and, and so on. Yeah. Okay. Very, <laughs> very cool. Well, I, I, so I know your, your, your journey, which you have written about in your book is, is very interesting. Um, before we get into that, cause you, you also, cause you kind of went from, from that company and you started some, a couple of your own, um, like hotel online, what was, so what was that like and what made you want to then go from working with what you were doing and then starting some of your own companies, uh, particularly in Africa? Yeah, so uh, the first company choice was kind of given by the investment fund I was working with. We were building this online travel agency that then got merged with a bigger e-commerce group. And I kind of learned a lot about how online travel and basically hospitality business works in Africa. You know, basically the assumption was that actually 80% of all the money made from tourism in Africa is made thanks to local clients. Uh, you know, company, uh, hotels like Intercontinental, Sheraton, Hilton, in those big African cities, 80% of their money is actually made thanks to local clients who have a lot of money. You, hmm. you probably wouldn't guess that. But this is totally different market and Booking.com and Expedia doesn't, don't have a chance to really win that market yet. And also those type of hotels need totally different solutions and different type of technology and software, uh, which wasn't built yet because they have different needs. And whatever was built in the States or Europe or India was not what they wanted. So I figured I'm one of the few guys that kind of came from Europe. I was in that technology space. Then I was working for four years in the hospitality space. I kind of know exactly what they need. So this is why I decided to leave my first company because I earned my shares. Yeah. open another business and because I was on my own I wanted kind of you know diversify my risk I'm on my own in Nigeria that's risky enough anyway at least let me stay in the playground I know a lot about because I've already knew that that online travel space so okay. and, and on top of everything I figured man I'm doing running business in Nigeria it's not an easy business it's a, it's a tough country to run business in I don't have risks and so on electricity sometimes gets turned off at least let me do the business with people that have nice rooms and restaurants so I can sometimes get to have business meetings in nice places. That was really one of the reasons why I decided to stay in, in travel. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Um, and then so, so from this experience, you have recently written a book, uh, which, which I guess came out last year called Chasing Black Unicorns. What, was, what made you want to write a book? 
Yeah, so that came in stages. You know, I always wanted to write a book. I mm -hmm. guess I never knew it's going to happen that fast. I, I thought I'm going to be 80, rich and famous. And before dying, I'm going to leave a legacy to my grandkids. <laughs> I'm giving everyone things about that. Uh, then I was moving to Nigeria and I realized what kind of an ignorant I am. I just decided to commit myself to run a business there. But I know nothing about it. So I was looking for books about running business in, in Africa, in Nigeria, in Kenya, anywhere else. And I couldn't find anything. You know, the books available back then were written by some university professors, very theoretical ones, you know, or, or as some kind of an adventure book. A guy just, you know, drove his motorbike, you know, mm. from Cairo to Cape Town. That wasn't what I was needed. Needed was I was needing. So I figured maybe I'm onto into something. Maybe my experience in a couple of years will be something interesting. Maybe this is my niche. And then again, fast forward a couple of years, Africa has given to me one of the most amazing adventures in my life mm -hmm. in both ways. Extremely positive ones. I was talking about this IPO and so on. Yeah. And extremely negative ones. Uh, without you know spilling too much beans, too many beans. My second business turned out to be almost a failure and I almost ended up in jail for 21 years because long story short, I had a very powerful Nigerian business partner who at some point decided to get rid of me using his influence in police. Let's just put it this way. Yeah. <laughs> and I was actually for one year, I was on Interpol most wanted list and I didn't pay the, how do you call it? The, when someone wants to extort money from you and you have to pay him money, what's the English word for it? Ransom? Uh, you know what I mean? Ransom, yeah. yeah. I decided not to pay the ransom. I decided to fight this legally, which ended up, you know, being more expensive than the ransom itself. And it, it took two years. But when this happened, I told myself, oh man, my very boring business book about technology businesses in Africa just got much interesting. And uh, now I'm laughing about it, but there were a lot of dark moments in this whole story. And that uh, that you know, image of me being able to have a happy end and writing a book about it and sharing my story was one of the strongest motivators throughout the whole stressful time, which which took more for more than for almost two years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. So when when you decided to write your your story with this, did you go through a traditional publisher or did you you go through it um, through through your own way? Yeah. So right now the book has been already published in uh, five markets. So it's Poland, USA, Nigeria, Kenya, and South Africa. I started with Poland. It was my MVP because Poland is my home country. It's a small market. And I figured I will see what the feedback is. It will prepare me better for the big, for the big market. And mm -hmm. I was this totally unknown guy who has this crazy story of doing so I, just, I figured out that there's so many things I can do on my own when I publish a book, but there's one thing I cannot do on my own with self-publishing, which is having that prestige and reliability that is tied to you know, being linked to a big publisher. So I actually went to the biggest publisher in Poland I could find, the bigger than oldest, and that was the only publisher I pitched to. And I was super lucky because they, they, they went with it. And that helped me a lot. And then I had this big promotion in Poland where for six months all I did was promoting the book. It's actually surreal. I would land in Poland and people would ask me for autographs. So I was like, wow, <laughs> I did never knew that this is what's going to get. I thought that you have to be a rock star to get that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I realized this is cool, but this is not what I want to do. It's too time consuming. I don't want to end up being a, an author for life. Mm -hmm. So I kind of bought back my rights. I had to pay them, <laughs> pay them to get my book back. And then for the US market and, and the free African markets, I decided to do a self-publishing because it gives me control over how much time I'm spending to 
basically promote my, my story. And I think what's also worth mentioning is that all the revenue from this book goes into a charity, which we launched uh, together with my uh, partner. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk. So, so that I'm not doing is, this kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, sure. I'm saying, so the charity, is that, that your foundation that I see also see on your website? Is that the one you're talking about? Or is that Yeah, different? correct. So, you know, that, that's exactly this one. Okay. And that's also an interesting story because I wanted to make a statement that, you know, I'm not making money on telling crazy stuff about Africa and I kind of being in the same camp of everyone talking shit about Africa. Mm-hmm. I actually want to take advantage of all those things that happened to me to say, I went through the good stuff and I went through the bad stuff and I have the legitimacy to tell you it's worth it. And, and I also wanted to make a statement that this is not for the money. And I figured, okay, let me find a nice charity to, to send all that money from the book sales. And I came to this concept like an investor, you know, show me your PL, show me, and I'm talking to a charity, what money are you spending on? And what's your ROI? Like, how many people are you helping? And how, how does it change its life? And oh my God, it's like jumping down the rabbit hole. The way the NGOs are run, it's absolutely insane. So I figured I'm not going to give them my money. I have to build an NGO on my own. And it's going to be a small one because I, you know, I don't have that much money. But that's actually not bad because the smaller the NGO, the more efficient it is, the more passion there is. It would be much better for the world if there were much more smaller NGOs than those huge organization machines that kind of, you know, buy all those million dollar worth of TV ads carrying you with kids with big bellies and, and then you don't even know what happens to the money. Yeah. So we ended up, you know, building our own charity, uh, which is another great adventure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I bet. So is it, is, it, is it pronounced the Maya Foundation? Maya Foundation, exactly, because my girlfriend's name is Jarita Marek, so it's like Maya, it's like kid. <laughs> oh, sure. And uh, there's, a, there's obviously like a lot of things we wanted to make differently. Mm-hmm. Basically, because I come from technology background, we want this organization to be as transparent as possible using technology. Uh, we don't want to send any staff to Africa because this is actually counterintuitive. If you're sending laptops, if you're sending food, if you're sending clothes, you're actually making local traders and local manufacturers go bankrupt because they are killed by the stuff you're sending. So mm-hmm. keep sending money. So the money can be then spent and invested locally. But obviously you wanna make the chain of people involved in the money sending as short as possible because every additional person is an additional risk of money being stolen in a way. So, you know, that's where the whole autom- 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 automation comes in, mobile wallets. So you know exactly what the money is spent on and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. And we decided not to help too many people. We're choosing very wisely who to help, and we're choosing then those. We're helping those kids as long as it's needed, so they become financially independent. So it's not like you know, it's like you keep helping, you keep helping, them and you don't see a result. Yeah, uh, it's easy to send uh, 100 laptops and be proud about it, but we're kind of helping sometimes kids. The plan is to help them even for 10 years, for them to finish university, uh, get a college degree become financially independent and then that girl that boy can help back you know pay back and so on so it's a very long-term project you can't really see those results very fast but i believe that this is a healthier approach yeah yeah no that's absolutely wonderful especially that you're keeping it local like that um since you mentioned a mobile wallet do you what currency do you use or do you do you use a digital currency or a cryptocurrency or is it is it the local currency so right now we're doing this with a local currency. There's actually a company uh, called BitPesa, 
which we use to send money between countries in Africa, which actually is based on blockchain. Mm -hmm. So the blockchain is, is more and more aggressively, maybe not aggressive is the wrong word, confident, uh, with more confidence introduced into intra-African payments. Mm -hmm. Right now we are losing money on uh, currency exchange because it's absolutely awful, but it's still worth it because once we digitally transfer, for example, dollars to Naira in Nigeria and then send it directly to the mobile wallet of the kid that we're helping. You can send it to a mobile wallet of a feature phone. You don't even have to have a smartphone. And then that kid goes to a shop and pays with the, his mobile wallet. I know exactly what he bought and I have it on my list. Okay, why did you buy two Johnny Walkers? I mean, you're eight. <laughs> Who told you to buy that stuff? Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, great. So with, with your, your journey that has a lot of ups and downs, and I, I watched your, your, your TEDx talk about it, um, there was very clearly times when, when it was, you were unsure of like what was going to happen next. Um, so how do you approach fear and times when you're apprehensive, and how do you, you know, push past that and keep moving on regardless of circumstances? Yeah, so for a lot of part of my life, I didn't fear fear, didn't feel fear. I would just, mm -hmm. I realized how lucky I was post fact. But then you kind of realize that fear is normal and what makes you brave and calculative in, and, and making good decision is by knowing that you feel fear and still pushing, pushing through. I think there was this one moment in my life when I realized that I think I am pretty strong and I know how to deal with fear is that one night that I spent in jail. Uh, that was a moment when that whole, you know, that whole drama around bringing me back to Nigeria to put me to jail in order to force me to sign papers and give back my company for nothing. Um, I was stopped at the airport in Warsaw. I was flying somewhere to London and they put me to jail because the, the Interpol arrest warrant ended up in the system on that particular day. And when they were locking me in the cell, they were not sure what to do with me, but the guy told me that I'm most likely going to be sent to Nigeria on the next flight to be tried there. And I knew what it means. I had no, at that time, I thought I had no chance of having a fair trial in Nigeria because everything was already paid for, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So I actually had to spend this whole 12 hours, longest 12 hours of my life, thinking that I'm just waiting for the flight to be sent to Nigeria. I have no clue what's going to happen to me. And I, I went through all those three or four stages of griefs. First, you don't believe it. Then you get absolutely angry. Then you feel like your whole world is falling apart and you're just crying. I had panic attacks. I couldn't breathe. Then I, you know, remember about Tony Robbins. To, he tells you to run around in circles. I was starting, you know, making push-ups, then meditation. Then you pray to every god you ever fought off, you know, Buddha, Mohammed, Jesus Christ, right. everyone. And then... And then you end up, uh, you kind of realize that this is where the character is being built and you start playing all the possible scenarios in your head from the wars that can happen to you to the best possible scenario. And you kind of get used to them by thinking about them over and over again. You're used to them, so it's not as scary as it was. Mm -hmm. It's still scary, but it's not para paralyzing you. And I went through the whole process of dealing with that only in my head having just a cell with a with a like a trunk bed and uh it, it was a moment that really changed changed my life and um you know long story short i was able to have a happy end yeah. and 
and I, I definitely am not, uh, much stronger right now because I was dealing with that fear. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not, nothing is as scary now <laughs> because you have a perspective. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's that's great. Um, I'm I'm also curious then how so how do you decide what projects you want to take on next? So you know so. I guess in the early days, you kind of showed that there was an obvious progression from one to the other. But what about like yeah. now? Um, and there was how... a lot of, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Was there a surprise? Yeah. yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so there was one methodology that I always stuck to, at least in the early days, is that I really don't like to fight with competition. Uh, I prefer to spend energy somewhere else than to be in the same sector with a company that tries to do exactly the same. So this is why, you know, one of my early businesses was to build a marketplace for funeral services, because I figured if everyone is trying to build a second Facebook, none of those, you know, smart kids from Harvard will think about building a funeral business because it's not sexy. It's not cool. It's not something you can tell your girlfriend about it. So I was running away from, uh, from competition. Then the second thing, which I always stuck to was to be able to, build the business around my lifestyle i really like to travel a lot so don't ask me how i feel now with, with lockdown uh, also my girlfriend she's an actress so she may be you know for six months in a totally different place because they, they they're shooting a movie and if i want my relationship to work i gotta be able to work remotely and do a lot of my job remotely and there are certain type of businesses i can get myself involved in i can't build a big organization right now and be responsible for 1000 people and be a CEO because it won't allow me to uh, to work. So I always say now my lifestyle needs to be protected first because I know what I like. I know what my personality is. I like to move from place to place. I thought it's gonna go away with age. It's not. It's already in me. So I also know I'm pretty good with you know with people, with sales, with marketing, with strategy. I'm allergic to Excel. So the old school approach would be to work on your weaknesses. But the new school approach is just double down on your strengths and make them even better and just work around people who can kind of fulfill your weaknesses and the, all of you together make a better person. Um, so lifestyle first, personality first. I did a lot of understanding of what my personality is about. I think I've done all the available tests out there. Myers-Briggs, FIRS, OAD, you name it, to really quantify what I'm good at, what I'm weak at, and then build my business and people I work with around me, which included a lot of tough decisions. I've realized that all my past businesses, I kind of worked with people that are just like me because it's so easy and so enjoyable because you understand each other so easy and so on. And it's fun, but you become blind to your weaknesses because your weakness is the same person's weakness. Yeah. Working with person that is totally different than you is very risky because if you don't know how to manage micro conflicts, it, you can go sideways and you will destroy the company just fighting by fighting. But if you know how to micromanage those conflicts and troubleshooting and challenging each other at every stage, you take the best out of it because you you prevent yourself from making a mistake because there's another person that kind of balances you uh, you out. So you see, you see I've talk, talked a lot about my lifestyle and personality and I haven't even mentioned business model because that's kind of comes as a result and, and the money will come then as well. Um, I like to say now that I like to be involved in a business that does not only make money, but also, you know, is not harmful. Let's just put it this way. 
I don't want to use some romantic words. I want to make a word about the place, but at least I don't want to make any more harm. But in order to be able to make such a decision, you got to make some money first. So uh, um, money was always super important for me. But when you get to a level when you kind of feel a little bit secure, then you can also pay attention to other motivators yeah. in terms of choosing the business model you're in. So uh, it's fun to be, it was fun to build an e-commerce in Africa because you were the first one. And uh, it's not like you're building another mobile app, how to steal your time, another game. And now I've invested in a, in a solar business. And that's also kind of cool because you see that when the technology is in place, every, every kilowatt of power produced from solar to put it in a very simplistic term, it's kind of like a less coal, you know, less less fossil fuels. It's not that obvious, but there is this positive change. So, at least I like to th- think that way. But that comes 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 afterwards. Yeah. So I really now I have a real methodology towards it, building around my lifestyle that I know I feel comfortable with. Uh, then finding the right people to work in, being in a sector that does not do harm, and then maybe looking at okay, what's the exact business in this particular sector so it's like from high level down to down to detail yeah yeah well that's great about how long do you think it's it's taking you to develop this methodology um it takes time to think and make a lot of mistakes yeah i used to be fascinated by bodybuilders uh and obviously being a bodybuilder is not the not the smartest way to be to live long and healthy because it's kind of destructible in the long term. But what bodybuilders have perfected and they're absolute masters about it is to really understand what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Because for them, it's all about micro changes and collecting all that feedback, what works exactly for you. And I think it's the same thing with life and business. You kind of have to test everything on you, on yourself, business you're involved in, stuff you do, and see if this works for you or not, and do thousands of iterations and, and modify modify approach until you find the best one. However, this wasn't a linear progress for me. The, the huge progress where I really understood myself better by an order of magnitude was writing the book. I think the biggest lesson from the book was me, was for, for myself, because I literally had to look at my life because the book is about the last 10 years of my life. Uh, business, but a lot of life stories there as well. And putting everything in paper, analyzing and understanding what happened after what and why really made me open my eyes in terms of what's been happening to me, what kind of journey I I went through. So I guess you don't have to write a book to do that, but it's the same thing to writing a journal. journal. Uh, And sometimes just going back in time to look at what you've done is is eye-opening. We don't have time to do that, I guess, on a normal basis. Yeah, it's... I guess, so with that, now that I guess that everybody's kind of locked down and, and you especially, have you been doing a lot more, let's say, you know, thinking about kind of your, your life and, and, and being more introspective right now? Or have you just been still going forward looking at the, the future and how to build your, your companies? Actually, for lockdown, um, I, I've been extremely lucky because the business I'm currently involved in, we're not that hit. And I think I'm one of the luckiest guys because one of my companies still does a lot of marketing and, and technology for e-commerce businesses all over the world. So obviously they are seeing huge growth now. So we're super busy with that. And with this renewables business, we also see growth because people are now scared of their future. 
they can't trust that, for example, the power is always going to be there. So they're looking at, you know, having their own power source. Or, for example, they just realize they're going to have to stay with their family in their house forever sometimes. So they want to invest a little bit more in the house. Um, so I was extremely lucky that uh, my business is actually growing. So I actually have less time to work now. Everything is happening faster. Uh, all the meetings are happening faster because you don't have to stay in traffic. You don't have to coordinate 10 people being in one room. All those big deals are happening faster. I guess the world, besides now going into crisis and maybe economy getting totally slashed down, we're going to be much in a much, much worse stage in terms of GDP. But what's going to stay for sure is that business accelerates. Everything will be happening faster. It's a double-edged sword, uh, yeah. no doubt. But it will happen faster. And all the trends we were observing, you and me, were kind of we have this technology background. For us, it's a shock how how quickly people behavior change and the digitalization happens. So imagine the shock you know people from classic businesses are going through. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. So with everything that you have done and experienced so far, what would you say has been the best advice that you have ever received? <laughs> the best advice I've ever received. Um, it wasn't received by me personally. I just watched it. Uh, and it's, gone, it's coming from a person you probably would never guess because it comes from Will Smith. <laughs> there, there is this YouTube video when he's receiving some award and he's just so hyped up and he's probably like in this he's a very emotional state and he can probably Google it. And he says that what really matters in life is running and reading. And reading is because you're not that special. 99% of your problems someone else already dealt with and most likely wrote a book about it. So read. Mm -hmm. And and then he also said running because running is all about fighting with your brain that tells you to stop. You can really run far. It's all about your brain. And if you train your brain not to tell you what to do, I mean, you know what I mean? That, that, yeah. that thought in your head, stop. You don't have to that laziness. If you know how to fight with this when running, then you're going to use that uh, skill every day in business and in personal life because it's all about dealing with rejection and with problems. You know? Mm -hmm. Just like we're running, it's dealing with that inner voice telling you to stop. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, that's wonderful. I'm gonna have to Google that. Um, that thing. Will Smith running and reading. Yeah, yeah. beautiful movie. <laughs> I definitely will. Awesome. Well, th thank you so much. It's been absolutely fantastic to to chat with you today. If the listeners would like My to pleasure. buy your book or you know um, read more about what you're working on, where is the best place, best place they can go for both of those? Yeah, thanks so much for uh, allowing me to say that. So. Just go to chasingblackunicorns.com. Uh, you you have all the information about me, my social media handles, my book, my foundation. It's like a hub for everything. It's so hard to pronounce my last name on the podcast, so I don't. I'm not saying that domain name chasingblackunicorns.com is much easier to remember. <laughs> So thank you so much, and I, so I will put links uh, in the show notes to everybody, to everything, uh, your book and your foundation, so people can click right through. Um, so, Amazing! Thank you so much. Awesome! Again, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. My pleasure. All the best to you and to everyone listening. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Art Podcast. If you liked this episode, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button so that every single time I release a new episode, it will go 
directly to you without even thinking about it. If you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to AdvanceYourArt.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. Thank you again, and have a great day.